Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Thursday, everyone. Two to four here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. We're so close to Friday. It's Thursday, man. One more day. One more day. We're two more days in here, but then, then we're on to the weekend. And um, no more Auburn football news yet, so still waiting on that to go down. Tell everybody where they can call in. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 call us call us in and uh let us know what you got what do you what do you think about Auburn football Auburn basketball the sports world the olympics my favorite pastime going on right now let us know what is on your mind call in to on the line we're going to start off the show today talking a little football coming up in hour number two we'll have levi fitzwater for our weekly segment of playing the lines i imagine it is super bowl related i hope he has good stuff for us planned he'll be coming in at 3 p.m he'll be with us from 3 to 3 45 so that'll be something to look forward to in hour number two we're going to start off the show today talk a little armored football as well as later on in this first hour we are going to rank college basketball's top five teams We're going to re-rank the top five, essentially, of the AP Top 25 poll in our eyes, who we think and how we think it should be ranked after this week's action up to this point. But as I said, we're going to start off the show talking a little Auburn football. What are your takes on that? We want to hear from you about it, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Of course, you look at the Brian Harson situation. Where do we stand going into the coaches' conference today in Birmingham and with a new memo put out by the university yesterday after we got off the air? About an hour after we got off the air, you break down this memo, and now there's a policy that employees at the university, they have got to cooperate with investigations into matters that the university is looking into. These are interesting times on the plane Jacob your thoughts on the memo sent out by the university I mean the timing of this could not be any more weird or just bad timing I guess and it's not the first time that something like this has happened in this whole process and look we don't know if this was a memo that's already been in the works and just happened to get implemented yesterday or was it today that they it was this morning I guess yesterday February 8th Oh, that was a couple days ago. Okay, so I didn't. That know was when, when it, it went into effect. Okay, gotcha, it was okay. reported yesterday. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So that I'm nobody knows whether it was this was something that has been worked on over the past few weeks or the month, whatever before all of this came about, or if they came together and said, okay, I mean, we're trying to get rid of this guy, so let's put something together to go after him. I have no idea, but the timing of it is extremely weird, and of course has social media and Auburn fans just riled up a little bit more because it doesn't look good if you're Auburn of course Brian Harson embattled stalemate with Auburn University he returned from his vacation and he is at the SEC headquarters for the annual head coaches meeting that's held every year in February of course people are going to make something out of this him being there and saying well 
this situation continues to progress that's got to be a good thing for Brian Harson. I don't think it means anything at all I think it's hard to glean anything from this situation just because he's at the meeting or not I think all this tells us is the university is working to figure out still what's going on with their head coach situation take that for whatever it means and you know I originally I was like okay look this is a big time meeting in Birmingham for the SEC coaches and I think it was Brandon Marcello I was listening to him on a Twitter space for five minutes you know last night or yesterday and he somebody asked him they said what is this meeting about what what is the significance of this meeting that they're having in Birmingham and he said it's basically like a big time corporation having their quarterly meeting where everybody who everybody who is somebody inside the company is at this meeting so all the coaches from the SEC go to this meeting and they talk about rule changes and and money spending and all of these types of things so it's important for every SEC coach to be there and my opinion on it was if Brian Harson is there representing Auburn to in my opinion that seems to be a pretty big deal because some important things get discussed at this meeting but at the same time there's people that think it's not a huge deal it's not the end of the world they could Auburn can do whatever they want with them anyway and and Brian Harson being at this meeting representing Auburn is just whatever the media wants to do with it so um I don't I because at the end of the day Auburn can still either keep him or fire him whether he's at the meeting or exactly not. So, so it doesn't matter exactly at the end of the day it really doesn't matter of course the media was there all around the building waiting for Harson to walk in and he went through a side back door whatever and and you know they made it a bigger deal than it was but at the end of the day Brian Harson was at the meeting and he was there and at the end of the day or at least currently maybe I should say at the end of the day <laughs> but currently Brian Harson is still the head coach at Auburn yeah, until until further notice Brian Harson is still the head football coach at Auburn University and that's why he's at the meeting that's and exactly that's right. all that that means right but, now he's yeah. currently the head coach of Auburn football and he's got to perform the duties of the head coach of Auburn football regardless of all of the things circulating around that situation and in the atmosphere right now around the football program regardless he still has a job to do it will be interesting to see how things unfold from what appears to be and it may not be related whatsoever but what appears to be and what the media has projected as a calculated move into the investigation of Auburn's football program but regardless there have been a lot of things that have transpired over the last week can you believe it's been a week since this came out that's wild it will have been a week from tonight that's crazy and nothing's happened can you believe that nothing's happened yeah because it's Auburn I mean I can believe that nothing has happened and that the Auburn is going to drag their feet and make this last as long as physically possible yeah I can believe it is it a good look no I've said already this week that it's embarrassing to watch what's going on at Auburn and inside the Auburn football program it's embarrassing but yeah I I definitely can believe that it's gone on this long and who knows it could go on for another week or it could be over tonight who knows how much longer (laughs) I don't know man I really don't I mean I I think I can speak for every Auburn fan that after a week of this crap we're ready to get it done. We're make the decision, whatever it's going to be, whether you're going to keep the guy or fire him. Let's just get this thing over with. Because 
nothing is going on. Nothing has been decided. There's just more and more speculation. So I think I, if I can't, if I'm wrong, please call in and let us know what your opinion is. But I tell you what, man, I think we're just ready for this to be done because here's the situation. If you keep him, he's got to have that job security and then go on and do the duties to be a head coach. But if you're going to fire him, they've got to have somebody ready to go and get that guy in as soon as possible. And right now, they're not doing that. So if you're Auburn, you got to get this taken care of one way or the other. Phone number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. If you want to call into the show and give us your opinion on the Brian Harson situation, what you think that memo put out by the university means, what's transpiring right now and how you think things are going to move forward do you think brian harson's going to be the head coach at auburn next year 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 assuming he is not fired for cause is auburn football better with or without brian harson in my opinion they're better with him and i've said that this week that's my stance and I think unless there's a reason for them to fire him, like you said, if he is fired or if he's kept, you know, whatever, I think Auburn is better with Brian Harson. I think he is the man for the job. I think he has the right outlook for this program, and he'll tell you he's got the best plan. There's nobody better than him for the job, and the players love him that are on the roster. The recruits love him, and, you know, th- that's my opinion. I think Brian Harson is the man for the job, but until we know anything, I mean, we're not going to know who's going to be the coach until until Auburn releases something. So let's head to the phone lines. Steeler Mike on the line. Welcome in. All right, guys. How are we doing today? Pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing groovy, man. Uh, I think we need to pump the brakes just a tad. I, I get everybody's, you know, wanting this thing over with, and, and in most cases I would agree. But if what I know or what I'm hearing is true, it's, may not be for a day or two because of the process involved when human resources is asked to do an inquiry. Um, There's dots that have to be dotted and T's that have to be crossed. And uh, I believe that's why you haven't heard nothing yet. Um, I know, full disclosure, I worked at at Auburn, but I'm not in athletics. However, uh, I have had uh, some history with it leadership and so sometimes there are things that that come about that require more time because there is a process that has to be followed and i I, i'm of the opinion that that's why it hasn't been resolved just yet and that's Um, what it seems like especially with that memo being put out yesterday it seems like there have been snags all throughout the week and it's a lot of university like you said crossing t's and dotting i's yeah, because I've seen similar issues, not with coaches per se, but with other things. And the university has – there's things that we have to do sometimes that doesn't make sense to the outside world, but um, it's things that, that have to be done. And, you know, I, that's just my opinion. I, I'm not in the middle of this one, but um, I've, I've seen some similar situations in other areas that would make me think that that's why a decision hasn't been made yet. Um my opinion also is that he won't be here when it's all said and done. I think there's some damage that's been done that may be irreversible in some areas. And uh, I think it's just be tough. I know if I was the head coach, 
and I'm not, so this is strictly opinion, but if I was the head coach of a football program and this was going on, I'm not sure how well I could overcome some of this uh, unless there were some long-term prospects, and I don't think there is in this yeah. case. And so that's just me. I'm not him. Don't Definitely not, not my business to make that decision, but um, that's just my feeling. Uh, I think the, I think it's just there's some things that have to be finalized before it gets to the point where there's an announcement. Um, you know, and, he, and I support it as higher, um, but I have some reservations from some things that I've seen and, and heard and read lately. Um, that being said, <clears throat> it, you know, is it, I look at it this way too. Is it worth three million dollars to keep him another year and possibly cause some even deeper erosion to the program, or is it worth three million? And I say three million because that's the difference in the buyout between now and a year from now, I guess, or a little before. Or is it worth to get you know to see how it plays out? I just don't know if we're going to get to that point. Sure. Uh, seeing how things have happened, and not just at Auburn. Auburn's getting drugged a little bit right now. Um, if social media had existed during the Mike Price era that lasted all but, what, a day or two or whatever, or some of the things that happened up the road back in that time period um, in other places, you know, they would be dealing with some of the same issues. It just so happens that, unfortunately, we're dealing with it right now. Yeah. And it's only a year removed from, you know, a change at that position. I mean, Alabama went through three coaches in six months at one point. Right. So, it ha- I mean, I don't – I hate it. Uh, I mean, it's just tough. And as, as one of you, I think, was saying earlier, it, 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 it can be a little embarrassing when you're tied to it the way we are, you know, as, as, part, as part of the Auburn family. But I, I think there's – as far as the timeline goes, I think there's some things that are going on that's kind of keeping it from finalizing. So, But I'm hopeful that it – coming to a head real soon steal the mic before we let you get out of here let me ask you a question just diverting away from auburn for a moment just because of your elias here on the show do you got a pick for the super bowl on sunday yeah um and you know strikingly i'm pulling for joe (laughs) um i'm not you know obviously been a big stealer it that you know if it was the ravens or the browns i might have a little different feel about it but um i've never really had the 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 dislike of the Bengals, except for when Vontez Burfitt was there, and that's for that was a single player who made some, who actually helped us a few times because of his, you know, ignorant play. But uh, I'm kind of I would think it would be kind of neat to see Joe Burrow win it. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Ben when Ben first got to Pittsburgh, except he's a better passer at that at this stage in his career. You know, Ben kind yeah. of morphed more into that. We were more reliant on the run game and defense back then. But, um, you know, and then, but then on the other side, I, I feel bad for Aaron Donald if he didn't win one. Or Matthew but, Stafford. I know we're Auburn people, but if anybody can stay in Detroit for that long, I've I know, got to feel man, like you can hard. win a title. I won't be upset if either one of them win, but I'm kind of pulling for Joe Burrow. And, of course, his arm was on that team, and, you know, there's some Auburn ties there, so – I kind of would like to see that happen. Steeler Mike, we appreciate the call, my man. I hope you have a good rest of your day. You too.
That was Steeler Mike on the line with us, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Going back to some of what he said about the Auburn situation and what he said about irreversible damage. I think that's true. I don't know how you proceed as if these things didn't happen and also knowing and us all knowing or at least assuming here that he's not wanted here by certain people that control purse strings. And that's important when trying to build out a staff where there is currently a massive vacancy at a certain position called offensive coordinator. Didn't know if you knew that was important or not, as well as quarterbacks coach, right? And so you don't know how he builds out a staff. 20 players are gone. It's going to hurt recruiting. How do you recruit with all this around your program, right? So I'm trying to figure out how Auburn the football program moves forward with him as head coach if they do decide to keep him because publicly this has really damaged the reputation and the ability to build this thing moving forward with Brian Harson because other programs out there are going to be able to say do you really want to go there do you know if he's going to be there this all could be lame duck right and Auburn did it to themselves whether and if they have a merit and they find something that's a whole different story but if if Brian Harson is the head coach of Auburn football next year, Auburn has nobody to blame but themselves. They did it to themselves. It kind of feels like you have to hit the reset button now, though. That's but, my thing. Has Auburn hit a point of no return now with what they've done? Well, first of all, it's sad that it's even to this point, and it, you know, that's on Auburn. You know, that's whoever has decided to do all of this, whatever you want to call it. It's sad. It, it, it you know, and he still or my reference for what I said. It's embarrassing, but they may have dug themselves so deep at this point that yeah they may have to hit the reset button again and do it again and set the program back another two or three years at least to to just fix the damage that they've caused to themselves and again if they find stuff that's different but even if they do find stuff you're still in such a deep hole that you're gonna have to slowly creep out of and Auburn has just done it to themselves if they have in the past, this isn't the first time we've seen this with Auburn, and I don't know, man. It's and if you look at it from Brian Harson's standpoint, why in the world would you want to be here right now? Like, why would you want to be the head coach of Auburn at a place that doesn't even want you here? Like, you know, that's and I look at it from that way too. If if he's the head coach and they don't find anything and they don't fire him, why would you even want to be here? Why would you want to work for a company or a, a boss or whatever that doesn't want you in the building? Tommy Tuberville made it work back between 2003 and 2004, but this is a different time period, as Steeler Mike also referred to Which in the shows, social media age. It shows it can be done. It shows that it can be done. And I know that was different, and social media is huge, but if you look on social media, it from what I've seen, most people support Harson until, until something comes out to give them a reason not to. I mean, that's what I've seen. What about you? But just because people on social media support them doesn't necessarily mean they are correct. I, I agree. I, I agree. have been trying to stay neutral on this topic because I don't think any one individual has all the facts. Even the reporters, I don't think the reporters have all the facts. I agree. I definitely know you and I don't have all the facts. And that's why I'm not trying to make a stance. That's why I'm purely just asking questions to you, asking for your thoughts, right? and looking at everything that has transpired in front of us that is public, that's where I go to the irreversible damage side of things. But I just don't know 
how you move forward with everything that has transpired at this point. It's gotten really ugly. And my thing is, I know there's a lot of people out there on social media claiming to know something or saying hashtag stand with Harson, but I don't think those people have the entire picture either. And I think when you look at the short tenure of Brian Harson, I've defended him a lot, but I have also pointed out the shortcomings in his career. I think I've probably defended him more than I have criticized, and that's just because I'm going to typically give a first-year head coach some leeway, just like most programs would, right? Like you should. But I do think you can look at some things and say, if you did want to move on, especially with the current circumstances, it may not necessarily be the worst thing ever. I don't think you can definitively say the program is shot for three to four years just because you let him go. And there's just so many different factors and I'll say this before we go to break if Auburn finds something in this massive investigation that they have gone head over heels for to find if they find something that's completely different situation if they find something that he should be fired over I'm in full support of that that's okay but as of right now they have presented nothing they've been on this goose chase for a week and they have nothing and I know like Steeler Mike was saying there's a process and I understand that and I respect that and I want them to do it the right way because of what all is on the line but if they don't end up coming up with anything that just looks horrible for Auburn and Brian Harson and and just Auburn football as a whole let's head to the break when we come back we'll keep discussing Auburn football here on on the line Here back on the line on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you today inside the studio. We've been talking a lot of Auburn football and the situation that's going on there. Noah, what you got for me on your take on Auburn football? We were discussing where does Auburn go from here, whether they keep Brian Harson or whether they get rid of Brian Harson, and how can you move forward with him given all that's going on? And before I get to that, if you want to call in 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. And the direction that I want to take this is assuming he's not fired for cause. Let's get away from all the rumors. Let's get away from all the guessing, the stuff that you don't have the facts on. Let's just talk about the on-the-field results. Let's talk about the recruiting. Let's talk about the plan that we have seen up to this point. Assuming that he is not fired for cause, this is the question. Is Auburn football better with or without brian harson and i think you can make convincing arguments for both i agree i think you made a good argument of how you know just how can you move on with brian harson after everything that's gone on and i you know i i agreed with the things you had to say but until there is a legitimate reason for auburn to not have brian harson i still think he's the guy for the job and i still think auburn the football team will be better with brian harson will the program be better with brian harson maybe i don't know i think that's a good line to draw in the sand what do you mean by the football team will be better compared to the program i think the football team itself the players and the coaches and the performance of the team on the field and recruiting i think that will be better with brian harson because i do believe in him and that he has the right plan and mindset and the the culture that he sees for auburn to make this a thing and make it good and great but the program itself I think will struggle with him at the helm from here on out because of everything that has happened because 
the top dogs inside the program and the university don't want him here. That has been that's been evident over the past week. So when you talk about the football team itself and the player development and the performance on the field, I think Brian Harson is the man for the job. But will Auburn the program be better long run with him? Possibly not after everything that's gone down. Take this for what you will because he's only been here for a year and I don't really want to get into the business of trying to judge a guy after one season here. But looking at what he did this year, once again, take all this for what you will consider he's only been here for one year. But let's talk about what he has done well and what he has not done well and try and apply that to the future, right? And the first thing that I see that he did well or one thing that I think he did well I do think he can develop quarterbacks. I think he may end up being one of the best quarterback developers Auburn has had on staff in the last 20 years. And that's not saying a whole bunch compared to Tommy Tuberville. I thought Al Borges did a pretty good job with Jason Campbell, right? But Brandon Cox was up and down. And then, of course, that tenure all ended. And you had Tony Franklin that came in, and that wasn't great. And Gus had a good stint I thought with Chris Todd but after that what did he really do with development of quarterbacks ever in his stint at Auburn whether he was OC or he was head coach so you talk about as far as quarterback development is concerned as far as just player development is concerned I think he would end up doing very well in that aspect but in terms of running a program in the Southeastern Conference and the networking and the politicking side of things that come with that I'm not so sure that that's where his strengths lie and that can kill a program in the sec it can and and that's why i'm saying i think the team may be better with him but the program will not let's head to the phone lines real quick before break shadow on line one shadow welcome to the show well let me turn you down uh hang on okay i'm back all right hit me with it uh, listen man I mentioned it yesterday, and everybody wants to talk about all these other issues. I want to talk about the board. It is a board problem. How about the last 50 Auburn coaches? Ain't never, there's not a single one of those coaches that was hired because he won. You look at the record. Every single one of them have medium-sized uh, records. And uh, Pat Dye, the greatest coach in our history, would he come from five and five? Uh, shoot, I can't even remember the team. But what, you think Auburn's problem is Brian Harson? No, because how do you know – the next one won't be worse than Harson. That's a good point, Shadow. Shadow, we got to head to a quick break, my man. I really appreciate the call. We're looking forward to keep hearing back from you, my man. Thank you. That was Shadow on the line with us, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Shane, stay put. We will get back to you on the other side of this break. I hate to cut Shadow short. Because I, know, he, I did yeah. like the direction he was going. Yep. Auburn's got struggles outside of Brian Harson that don't necessarily help their coaches out. I don't disagree with that either. And this ain't the first time either. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Mm-hmm. 
30 minutes into the Thursday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you on the Thursday edition of the show. I hated to cut Shadow off there, but we had to go to the network break. Shadow, we enjoyed talking to you. We want to hear from you again. Call in tomorrow, or if you want to call in again during this show, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. But we're going to head back to the phone lines again and online too now. We have Shane. Shane, what's up? Hey guys, um, I just wanted to comment on your co-host comment. Um, I, I, after everything that's been discovered, I, how can you sit there and say that Brian Harson is good for our football team? Well, here's my thing, and I, I separated it because I said I think Brian Harson is good for the football team, but maybe not but for the program because I think. But why would it be good? Because I believe that Brian Harson has the mentality and the plan. That could work here at Auburn. It, it, if you've seen the, the, the things that have come out about his previous work, both places, Boise and Arkansas State, like he doesn't get, he doesn't work well with others. Uh, so he, he can't recruit. So so he, he can't build relationships. So how is that? How is that good for our football team? But I think he's built pretty good relationships with the guys on this team, and I think the guys on the right, team would it's tell selective. you that. It's, it's very selective. So, so you're going to isolate uh, everybody else to get your guys. When your guys, are, half the team leaves, then, then, then I'm sorry, but no, you can't. You have to learn to adapt and evolve, especially in the Southeastern Conference. You, look at Nick Saban. He fought, 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 fought the spread, and now he's, now he's the best at it. And so – you know, you, you can't just sit there and, and, and have, you know, build relationships, be the nice guy to, to one group of people and then, and then not to everyone else. But am I, and, and that's a good point, but does he have to be nice to every player that was on that roster? Because 90% of them weren't yeah, even his guys. if you guys. want to keep them. If you want to keep the guys, then yeah, you need to be. You let you left Bo Nix go, a three-year starter who, who did nothing but win. Uh, you let him go because you couldn't build a relationship with the guy. What happened once he left? N- nothing. And I, so, I, yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but here's my point to counteract that. Okay, he showed up to a program where none of the players were his, and a lot of those players didn't fit his system. And whether his system works or not, we don't really know. We haven't well, figured but, that out. But yeah, we, we have actually. We we have figured it out. Uh, uh, if 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 he can't win, I mean, so you're telling me that he has to have certain guys to win games. He has to have certain certain guys that fit this one mold in order to win games. I think what he's trying to say is that Harson's looking for a selective personality, and, and some of those care. guys may have not have fit that. But Shane, I do want to ask you this question, and I I don't disagree too much with what you're saying, Shane, because I do think. Harson does have to adapt to the Southeastern Conference and he should be shifting his mentality a little bit when he came here to try and fit what was going to need to be successful and I don't know if he's fully done that here and so I do have some questions whether or not he's going to be successful my question to you is are we having this conversation if Bo Nix doesn't get hurt I have no idea I don't know if that has anything to do with with that uh that's just was i just brought him up as as one example i mean there's 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 20 guys that left yeah. your own co- you know multiple coaches are leaving because you can't if you can't interact with people professionally or or personally then, then like how, how why how is he going to recruit people coaches players how is he going to recruit anybody 
because I've worked with a lot of play, people, you know, and certain people that I just can't work with, and I will never work with again because of the attitude that certain people have. And that just seems like what that's what's coming across is his attitude, or, or you know, whatever his way of doing it, his way of highway. Well, you know what? That doesn't always work everywhere, and it also hasn't didn't work where his his previous places either. So, you know. I don't see any way that this is good for our program or a football team. I mean, maybe for, like, a few guys that are still there, then that's great. But how? Tell me how you're going to recruit now after all this. How are you going to recruit after all the damage that's been, it's been discovered because of your lack of personality? Shane, we're just going to have to agree to disagree, but I do value what you're saying. I don't completely disagree with everything that you're pointing out. I do think, though, and the point that I was trying to make with Bo Nix, this is what I'm saying, the point that I was trying to make about Bo Nix was if Bo Nix doesn't get hurt, Auburn probably wins nine games, maybe ten with the bowl game. And I don't think any of this stuff is happening during the offseason because Auburn had a nine or a ten win season, everybody's happy, right? Now, maybe these things come to fruition down the line, but – the timing's definitely interesting of all this, and I don't think that it's all Brian Harson's fault. I do think that there were some things surrounding him that there were people that don't like him. Now, is that his fault that they don't like him? Maybe he had a hand in that. I don't know. I'm not inside the program. I'm just saying there is some culpability on Brian Harson. That's where I agree with you, and I do think that we've seen some things where it's reasonable to say this guy's probably not going to work at Auburn, but I also think it's fair to say that there's culpability outside of him as well to where maybe probably. folks didn't give him a fair shot, and that could affect future coaches, and that probably needs to change. That, that, you know, you might be right about that, but 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 the, what I was calling about is because the guy said, your, your co-host said that he is good for our football team. And, and I don't see anything that, that either one of you can argue that says that he is good for our football team. Nine wins this year or, 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 or six. You know, how is he good for our football team? If this, if, let's just say we didn't win nine games and all this stuff is still buried up. How is that good? You have players being mistreated, coaches leaving still, because they're, they're adults, they can leave. But, you know, I still don't see. I think it's, it might be even worse for our program. Because that would set us back further. Because at one some point, this was going to come out. So better better rip the bandaid now and get over it. Because did, did either you really feel like this? He was the right fit for Auburn from the beginning. I don't know anybody that did. I was like, I don't even know who this person is. And then you research it, and you're like, why? Out of all the people that we could have gotten, you pick someone from across the country that never never been here before does not know the Southeastern Conference, has never recruited around here, has no relationship with, with, with the high school. T- you know, it's just, it just doesn't fit. And, and, and I don't see, you know, you guys going to argue, hang up, and you'll probably dispute everything I said, but it's still, uh, no one can ever convince me that this, is, this guy is, is good for the program or the football team. I'll agree with the fact that moving forward, I don't think that – Auburn's going to be able to find a way to succeed with Brian Harson as head coach. And that's what I was talking about last segment, that there may have been some irreversible damage done. And that's what Steeler Mike had called in about. Shane, we appreciate the call, my man. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Really do enjoy those calls. It's raw. I like it. I like it, man. I, and I want people to call in and dispute what I got to say because that's part of sports radio. It's part of sports talk. Come in and if, you know, come in and if you disagree with me let's let's hash it out i love it i love it thanks for the call shane i do appreciate it i really do 
And I think it's a little bit of both. I look at the situation and say, well, how would things, what would the outlook be right now for Auburn if Auburn did win nine games, if Auburn did win 10 games this year, Bo Nix doesn't get hurt, and that's not me blaming Bo Nix on getting hurt. I'm just saying that is a domino that fell this year and clearly affected other things for the Auburn football program. Imagine if Bo Nix doesn't get hurt. Are we still having that conversation right now? And I don't think we are. And going back to what he was talking about, players being mistreated and whatnot, do we know that's true? No. Because if that was true, I think he'd be fired for cause, right? And that's and what I was clearly that, yeah. that's not something that has occurred yet. Now, granted, maybe it does down the line. And once again, my whole take on this changes if he is fired for cause. But if he's not fired for cause and you're literally just firing him for the on the field results, I don't know if you have enough information to judge a guy after one year, but I also think there are inherently negative things going on within the program and there are negative things that he has exhibited in his recruiting and even some things on the field decision making and whatnot to where I also know if you make the argument that you want to move on from I don't disagree with you too much there either I am so neutral on this I think Auburn can benefit from moving on from this situation entirely but you just we don't have all the facts is all I'm trying to point out and there were some points there that I I want to bring up on your case and in Shane's case he made a good argument on the fact of if there are and if and there is evidence that he is a hard dude to work with and nobody likes to work with him because he's so you know mean and rude or whatever and if Auburn wins nine games last year no I don't think we're talking about this right now but he brought up a good point of well that doesn't you know that doesn't push away the fact that those things are still happening and that could build up over time and then really explode and make the program just look horrible three years from now instead of right now so that was a good point that Shane made and I wanted to bring that up but but again, how does he make it nine years at Boise State exactly or however long he was there and that's the thing too and, nine, he was, but. And, and he was bringing up you know players getting mistreated there's no real proof of that we have some players that came out and said you know quote we were getting treated like dogs but what is you know what does that mean everybody could say that could say that and it means something different between every person and no a football coach in my opinion is not supposed to be the nicest guy in the world and he's not supposed to just you know ask you how your breakfast tasted in the morning you know what I mean but you got to respect everybody that is for sure you've got to respect everybody in the program on your team everybody like that but what I the point I was trying to make to Shane was when Brian Harson showed up None of these were his guys, his players. And I think he probably respected them. And if he didn't, that's a whole nother ball game. But he at least had to respect them. But, you know, they're not his guys. And sometimes, like, not everybody on a team you just walk into is going to work for your type of system of football that was trying to, you know, that was kind of the point. May not fit your idea of the culture. Exactly. And I think that's why it's so scary and got everybody so riled up is Brian Harson is something completely different that's ever been at Auburn in my lifetime. In the 22 years I've been alive, he is something completely different that's ever been at Auburn, and it's scary, and people don't like it. But in my opinion... To Shane's point, though, that may not be a good fit. Just because it's different may not be a good thing. I 100%. It might not work out, but I don't think after one year, because he he made some people mad, that it's it's a reason to fire him. And that, in my opinion, but Shane could be exactly right. It may not ever work here at Auburn. Now, is that is that on the head coach or is that people above him? Or both. Or both. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different factors in this argument and conversation. You really just can't put a pin on it and say this is the one right answer. 
Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. If you disagree with anything that we have to say or if you have anything to add, I want to go back to the point that I was making before we went back to the phone line that you had asked me and we were talking about the question, is Auburn football better or with or without Brian Harson? And still wrapping this up, I said, let's break it down by what do we know that he's been doing well and what do we think that he's been doing poorly? And I think you can say, I like his X's and O's. I like his football philosophy in terms of X's and O's. I think we all like this culture. He presents himself well in front of the media in that he's a hardworking coach and he wants hardworking players and he wants them to be tough and hard-nosed. I think we all liked that. Now, once again, we're not inside the facility, so what does that actually look like and how does that actually materialize? But I think we all liked the idea of that. And I think he's a pretty good quarterback developer, and I think we saw that in Bo Nix getting better this year. But Bo Nix is no longer here. You've lost 20 players in the transfer portal. You have got several coaches that have left. Recruiting did not end well. It seems like all momentum has been seeped out of the program. And on top of that, it really doesn't feel like, it really doesn't feel like he's been that good at the networking side of this job if that many people hate him or don't like him yeah and it's not just you know it's not just the people inside of Auburn there's a lot of you know there's a lot of media personalities that don't like Brian Harson either and I think because it's different that's that's the biggest thing I don't that I, I think say. it's a little bit more than just it's different but, Nick Saban was different for Alabama yeah that's a midwestern guy coming right. down to the south and when it comes that's down to different it, he's got if you're Brian Harson or whoever you are as the head coach of a major football program you've got to respect everybody that is the biggest thing you've got to respect everybody you don't have to like everybody and you don't have to treat everybody the exact same you should I guess but you know there's there's different scenarios with that but you've got to respect everybody and treat everybody like a human being and that that is one thing but in my just me looking at it I feel like there's people that don't like him because he's trying to do it differently. And yeah, he may be a little bit more of a jerk than what Gus Malzahn was. But Gus Malzahn's probably one of the nicest people you'll meet. I mean, and that's that's okay. But I just think it's it's just different, in my opinion. From looking at it, it just looks different. There's a different feel when Brian Harson walks out of the locker room and walks into the media room rather than when Gus Malzahn did. Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We've got Dan on the line with us now. Dan, we got a couple minutes here. What's up? What's on your mind? Yeah, just to continue with what you guys are talking about, you know, you wonder if that's something that, – because obviously we don't know the whole story. We just know bits and pieces of what we heard from, you know, some different tweets and different things like that. But it'd be interesting to see how it all went down, you know, I mean, if you're a coach and, and the player's not working out, you know, you're not going to go, hey, you know what, sorry it didn't work out. I mean, I really appreciate it. But, you know, he may have said, look, if you're not going to do it, then, you know, we don't want you here. You know, goodbye. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that that's the right way to do it, but it's like if if he put all his effort in the players that he knew were doing the right thing and into the new guys that are coming in, because it sounds like all the new guys kind of kind – of, were used to his personality or used to the type of person he is, or he was there, they were, you know, recruited in that manner. And they were, Hey, this is the guy that's going to push me really hard. He's going to be tough. He's going to be, you know, this is great. You know, some people, like I said, it takes, you know, takes to that very well. And then some people obviously, you know, that's so different that they're just like, okay, get me out of here. So, you know, it's really, really interesting to see 
you know, what really went down and, and with, with different players. And, and I'm sure they're finding all that out. And, I mean, you know, the question is, you know, are, are we able to get him to tone down a little bit and maybe just be a little more friendly in different areas? I mean, because they have said a lot – a lot of the players have said he's really good at coaching at, at X's and O's. We just didn't like his personality. You know, well, at least that makes me feel good that he's really good at X's and O's. Yeah. You know, I mean, but there's two sides. Where we you came know, from. you got to be. I mean, you got to you got to be nice. Not not necessarily be nice, but you got to be good to your players. You know, you got to you got to make sure they want to play for you. And I totally understand that, Dan. We appreciate the call. You made a lot of okay. good points. Thanks. We appreciate it. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to head back to the phone lines of the other side of this break, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Ramping up hour number one of the Thursday edition of On the Line. Number to call, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502. If you want to call in, we have had... As I like to say, a smorgasbord of calls so far, and it's been a good time. We want to hear from you about it. Always enjoy the calls we've had from Steeler Mike, Shadow, Shane, Dan. It's been a good show so far. Hope I'm not leaving anybody out. Been talking a lot about the Brian Harson situation and people giving their different opinions. We want you to give your opinion on it. Let's talk a little college basketball now. Just kind of moving away from football just here for a little bit because, like I said, when you don't know all the facts, nobody does, and until Auburn does something or until Auburn releases something there's not a whole lot of new stuff going on aside from what we got yesterday which was the memo but that may or may not even be about this now I think we can all make whatever we want out of it right but you just don't have a whole lot this thing's being tight to the vest and this type of let's just be honest man this type of scenario is what makes our job exist It, it there's a topic that we can debate on that we don't you know there's only a limited amount of information and everybody can have their own opinions on it, but that's what makes it interesting. And we enjoy all the calls that everybody brings in. Tell us what's on your mind. Tell us what your opinion is on Auburn basketball, Auburn football, anything else going on in the sports world. Give us a call here on the line, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. And we had a call this week that I wanted to go back to just real quick. And he had called in and asked about Christy Malzahn, Gus Malzahn's wife, and asked for an update. And we told him that she had gone home, and she had, and Gus had a press conference yesterday and gave a good update saying she was doing well um, at home and that you know they appreciated all the thoughts and prayers and stuff. So I did want to give out that update in case anybody had not seen it. She's been home for a few days now, and he said she was doing well, so that's always good to hear. Looking at last night's college basketball slate at the SEC, Florida took down Georgia 72-63. to Alabama went on at one point a 30-8 to run to close out the first half, beating Ole Miss 97-83. to And number 19, Tennessee beat Mississippi State 72-63. to Biggest result in the league last night. Well, we talked about it yesterday. Alabama was in pretty much a must-win game on the road at Ole Miss, and they went in there. They were down in the first half, and then, like you said, they went on a big run and there's never looked back. I think that's got to be one of the biggest results inside the conference, but you can also say the Tennessee game was a big win for the Vols on the road at Mississippi State as well to keep them in the hunt of the top four in the SEC, but I'm going to go with the Alabama win over Ole Miss. I think that was a must-win game for them to keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive, and they, they got it done on the road. Give them credit. Of course, 
the game against Arkansas now it's one at a time if they can beat Arkansas that's going to significantly improve their tournament hopes if anything it stabilizes them a little bit I said on yesterday's show if Alabama had lost to Ole Miss last night that's going to throw them on the bubble there's no way that a 14 to 10 Alabama team would not be on the bubble there's no way even if they are projected as a six seed as of two days ago that should throw someone squarely on the bubble if you're 14 and 10 and tied for fourth to last in your conference there is no business most teams in any other conference would have no business of being in the ncaa tournament picture if they were 14 and 10 and three games below 500 in conference play at this point in the year look at all the other teams of the sec right now with the same conference record as alabama if they were four and seven none of them are in the conference picture missouri isn't or the ncaa tournament picture Texas A&M is it you've got to win these types of games and Alabama did that now another team that is not in that boat from a conference standings perspective they're five and five in the SEC 14 and nine overall now Mississippi State that's a bad loss for Mississippi State last night not because they lost to a bad team they lost to a good team they lost to a great team Tennessee's a top 20 team It's a bad loss because Mississippi State is running out of opportunities to let the world know that they deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. At 14-9 overall, you look at the remaining schedule in February, it's winnable. They're on the road at LSU. They can win that game. You don't know which LSU you're going to get. They're on the road at Alabama. That's winnable. They beat them once already. They'll host Missouri. That's definitely winnable. They're on the road at Missouri after they host Missouri. Once again, that's winnable. South Carolina on the road that's a winnable game and then Vanderbilt at home you can close out this month on a six game winning streak and get to 20 and 9 you can do that or you could be 19 and 10 Mississippi State is going to be in the hunt for the NCAA tournament at the end of February but they would be even more so in the hunt had they found a way to win last night at home against a ranked Tennessee squad and in March the only ranked opponent that they're going to get a shot at is Auburn and I don't think they're going to beat Auburn my take stands strong no more than five sec teams will make the ncaa tournament i'm living and dying on that hill brother i I still disagree with you but you never know Live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins, and now Levi Fitzwater joining us in the studio for the next 45 minutes for Playing the Lines with Levi Fitzwater. That'll be coming up later on at 3.30. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We're going to start off hour number two with Making Headlines. Making Headlines. All right, guys, this is what we talked about for the better portion of the first hour. Auburn University released a new policy yesterday, or at least it was reported yesterday, that says people must cooperate with investigations. And this all comes out as Coach Harson goes to the coaches' conference in Birmingham today. That policy went effective on February 8th, according to what we've seen out there on the interwebs. This is where we stand, the latest installment of the 
Brian Harson situation, as Dan Peck called it on the drive last week, I believe. Harson watch as we move forward. But we talked a lot about Brian Harson's situation, how Auburn moves forward with this, how the program moves forward. There's a lot going on. Levi, we haven't gotten your take since all these things transpired literally a week ago. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been a been a busy news week hasn't it it's pretty nasty <laughs> yeah it, it doesn't look good but um it's it's one of those situations where i've tried to just I've, I've really tried to look as best as i could at this just neutrally and see what's going on but i can't quite like I, I it just seems like a mess like i have no other words for it other than everything seems like a hot mess and i really wish i could just if i could be a fly on the wall in some of these meetings, you know, because we get a lot of, I call it coach speak, because that's what it is. After a coach gets out of a game, they give the generic, cliched responses most of the time. I want to get something more than just, we're meeting to discuss this. This is something that happened. What is the validity of this happening? Nobody, like, I have no idea. I just want to know, like, what's actually going on in the behind the scenes. I want to know what's going on behind the scenes, and honestly... I don't feel like anybody really knows outside of some of the people who are really tapped into the university and involved in this. It just seems like a mess. And this this could be very this could be very, very detrimental to Auburn as a program in football because say you get rid of Harson, you're gonna have to find someone who's willing to come in with this, which I, I mean I, this should seems like you would steer a candidate away. See, we say all this, right? And sure, that's the public perception of it. That's been what the Twitter mob has done yes. with it, right? But what people perceive isn't always reality of the situation, isn't always the truth. And what somebody says on Twitter doesn't mean that it's true. And it ends up sometimes, and a lot of times on Twitter, turning into a mob with groupthink and whatnot. And it's clear that people really haven't had a high regard for the facts in this whole thing because everybody has already entrenched themselves onto one side or another without really knowing anything. Let's just be real. There are a lot of side-picking right now for so many people to not actually know what's going on with the situation. And that's why I said, that's why I was trying to make it clear, like, I want to stay neutral in my decisions on this until I see some sort of facts. But social media and the people talking about it the way that this has been put into light, the way that Brandon Marcello described it, Auburn's argument spilled out onto the front lawn, right? And neighbors are rubbernecking to see who's going to get carried away by the police. That's not good for what Levi's talking about, trying to get someone to come here. You're going to have to convince a candidate that everything's okay and that the board and that the powers that be, if you will, are behind said candidate. There's got to be better alignment, I guess, is the way to put it. But I'm just going to be here to say that not everything is always as people think it is or as social media says it is or as it seems. Maybe it's important to sit this one out, Chief, and to not get so upset. Right? Yeah, it, I mean, it's ugly, right? That's what we've been talking about. It's ugly. There's nothing pretty about it because of the lack of information that the people outside of Auburn – as the university or the program have. I mean, nobody outside of that, nobody truly knows what's going on. What are they investigating? What are they thinking? What are they trying to do? Who are they talking to? All of these different things are just up in the air. And then somebody sees one thing on Twitter or hears one thing in a Twitter space. And And it must be true. And they take off and run with it. And you just never really know what to believe. And so I'm going to stay neutral in the fact of, 
what I know because we only know what we have. And so I don't know what's going on. I have no idea whether it's a decision is going to be made in the next hour or if it's going to be made next week. You know, I don't, I don't know. Everybody knows my opinion based off of what we know so far, but you know, and that could very well change depending on what they come out with. That could change in five minutes from now. Exactly. Like, you have no idea. And that's why like, it's good to stay as neutral as you can with what you know and try not to sit there and hear this rumor and see this rumor and what's this is alleged. The only thing I can say with a little bit of conviction or actually with a lot of conviction, quit sharing like people online, quit sharing people's photos with when there's allegations and rumors attached to it of people. I feel like that's kind of like weird to me. It's like, dirty. It, yeah, I don't like that. That's one of the things that really hurts me is seeing people people's pictures be shared online because of what could be allegations could be rumors like that 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 to me is the only thing i don't like and that has nothing to do with auburn or the situation that just has to deal with people on the internet who tend to not think the internet stinks yeah people tend to not think i hate the how internet. it's toxic how toxic it can be and how damaging that could be to someone because next thing you know you're walking through walmart and people recognize you for something that you have no idea what's going on just because your photo has been shared online and it's one of those things where you just remember to maybe be a little hesitant when it comes to things like that on the internet. And that goes in hand with what you were saying, Noah. Just be, be hesitant with the information you receive. Don't go groupthink. Don't become Twitter mob. Just wait. Wait and process it. You wait. Don't, Auburn fans? Asking, you, you want Auburn fans to be patient? Hold the phone. You're asking people in general to be yeah. patient. Treat people yeah. with love. Yeah. Treat people as you would like to be treated. Just exactly. Scripturally based, of course, is what I'm getting at here. Treat people with love and, and kindness as God all taught us. Yeah, you don't have to. Nobody's asking you to pick a side right now. You can sit here and wait for a second and go, you know what? I don't know enough to make an opinion. Let me just wait. Or in my case, you have your opinion and it very well could change. And that's okay. That all of that is totally okay. But jumping to a huge conclusion of one side or the other and just that's my story and I'm sticking to it no matter what, like that, that's not the right way to think in this situation. I have my opinions on it. But like I said, it what 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 comes out, it very well and very easily could change. Moving to our next headline, this was something that was heavily talked about on yesterday's show, but now that Levi has joined us, we're going to get his thoughts on it. Levi, Auburn basketball lost to Arkansas, 19-game winning streak was snapped two nights ago. This is not on the making headlines sheet. A different college basketball score isn't on there, but I do want your thoughts on the Auburn-Arkansas game from the other night. Can't miss as many free throws as Auburn did and expect to win on the road, especially in a place that has over 20,000 fans. I mean, that's, that's what, in my opinion, that was one of the biggest takeaways from that game for me was I, I was texting my basketball coach from high school just throughout, and I told him, I said, you you have to make the bunnies. Like, you, you're missing free throws. That is, like, that's a game changer. I mean, you look at a game that you lost in overtime, and you look at the free throw stats. I don't have them off the top of my head, but I they knew, were eight for seventeen. I knew they weren't. I knew it wasn't great. I, I don't know them off the top of my head right now, but below fifty percent. Yeah, below fifty percent on the road in a hostile environment. A record-breaking, uh, for, you know, crowd at Bud Walton for them. Like that's not going to cut it. Shooting fifty percent below fifty percent on your shooting free below sixty percent wasn't yeah. going to get the job done for Auburn. No, and the, my biggest takeaway from that is, and I'm the least uh, moral victory person. Like I'm very much of my team loses, I'm be like, yeah, you lost. Uh, there's not great things taken. Yeah, you're from pretty it. harsh. Yeah, I'm harsh when it comes <laughs> to losing. You're like, get kickers off my football field. Okay, yeah, I mean that's a different thing. We wow. don't need kickers at all. Kickers and punters can go kick rocks. Somewhere you're one else. of those guys. Um, Never heard that take. All right, it's it's he's not a, serious, but he is serious. It's serious. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the biggest takeaway you can have from this game, if you're looking at Auburn, one. 
you kind of expected this to happen at some point. You're going to get everybody's best shot. You're on the road at what I think is a more underrated SEC team, at least in terms of national perspective right now. They haven't played their best basketball this year. They played some, they're playing it now. They're, they're playing on a nine-game yeah. winning streak. They're, they're coming around to what you expected this Arkansas team would have been at the beginning of the season when they were ranked in they were ranked in top 10 at the beginning of the year correct yes yeah when they were ranked in the top 10 this is what you expected out of them and they're finally coming around to that you have the crowd in, involved in it that was that was an atmosphere you could feel it when you can feel an atmosphere through the tv that's how you know it's it's rocking and let's be honest Auburn didn't play their best and you kind of came out with that looking at it, like you know I lost an overtime we lost an overtime didn't play our best shot free throws poorly like you kind of expect things like that to happen eventually. I commend them for the way they play. That team's got guts. I mean, they could have folded at any point when they Heart were down. Heart and effort was still there, even With, though you were missing shots. That's were, what we talked about yesterday. Yeah. They yeah. were down ten or down double digits early, and 12. they could have easily. You saw what happened with Baylor last, you know, last Saturday at Kansas. Kansas and Arkansas are two different beasts, but are they? One is our Kansas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean they're they're two different teams right now. But you saw what happened with Baylor. They folded, and they were getting drummed by thirty at one point. Auburn fought back and brought this game to overtime in a game that I thought they might actually get kind of maybe not run out of the gym, but it looked like Arkansas was going to kind of just take control over that game and carry it to the end. I'll give kudos to Auburn for keeping that grit, that fight in it, and it shows that the talent and the depth of this team, it's a real, it's a really good strong point of this team because you are missing your starting point guard. And I don't want to hear the whole, oh, we only average five points per game. That guy's a very, that guy's an elite in college basketball perimeter defender. He's a great and ball handler, perimeter defender, ball handler. It's not all about points. It's not all about scoring. Nope. You don't need scoring. And obviously, also, you look at Wendell Green. It gives him a good blow on the sideline. It lets him get some rest. He's not having to be. It makes him more efficient because yeah. his legs aren't tired. Yeah, you're better. You're better when you're not tired. Groundbreaking <laughs> uh, knowledge right there. So I mean, you look at that. They kind of had a lot of things against them. You kind of expected a, a, a slip up on the road. You're getting everybody's best shot. Does it stink that they didn't win? Obviously, yes, of course. But it's it, it was going to happen at some point. Like you, basketball is different than football. Number one teams are going to lose at some point. Yeah, it, that that was a game where, and it was also the trap game. You got ESPN College Game Day coming into town a little bit. Moving outside of the Auburn result, we talked a little bit about Alabama in our previous segment. Alabama basketball took down Ole Miss to advance to 15-9 and overall. I want to expand this to the rest of college basketball last night. The SEC went chalk yesterday. Outside of the SEC, it got topsy-turvy in what has been an upset-filled week. Texas beat Kansas earlier this week. Texas Tech fell last night. Duke fell earlier this week. There's been a lot of upsets this week and last night was no different number six houston fell to smu smu trying to improve their tournament hopes smu won 85 to 83 Rutgers a two-point win over number 16 ohio state 66 to 64 and seton hall knocks off number 25 xavier 73 to 71 of those two-point results each which one of those games was the most cataclysmic the result that was felt the most in college basketball maybe wow look at that vocabulary that was that cataclysmic was cataclysmic could catastrophic you, could you spell that cataclysmic <laughs> i could but any i think the rutgers victory over ohio state that's just brutal man ohio state's 14 and 6 okay somehow they're still a top 25 team a team that has not 
really done a whole lot this season and a, a loss against a 14 to 9 Rutgers team that's damaging to Ohio State when it comes to tournament hopes and, and a seeding in the tournament if they get there so I think that's got to be one of the worst losses of last night the SMU victory over Houston yes Houston's a top 10 team but SMU they 17 and 17 five. and five I mean they have 17 wins the bubble got stronger last night because Oklahoma came into the game 13 and 10 and still somewhat on the bubble they win claim a top 10 win against Texas Tech and granted it may have been at home but they're 14 and 10 and they're kind of in the same boat that Alabama is and they've got some nice wins on their resume and they play in such a tough conference Big 12 is one of the best conferences in basketball this year the bubble it got strong last night Rutgers is a bubble team I think when you talk about 14 and 9 Big 10 teams at this point in the year now they probably still won't make the dance they're probably an NIT team but they just got a win that helps their case a little bit SMU now really hasn't been on the bubble a whole lot up to this point but they're 17 and 5 coming out of an atrocious American Athletic Conference they just got a top six win in the country now all of a sudden there are some teams creeping up and strengthening their case a bit after last night I felt like the Oklahoma win though was the most significant especially to certain SEC teams hopes where Oklahoma's sitting at 14 to 10 and there might be an SEC team with a better record than that that doesn't get in like a Florida yeah I, I agree that the biggest in terms of the whole national scape it is that Oklahoma win just because it does push them towards you know the it puts they're on the bubble and it gives them a very good win a top 10 win is going to help you later on and they were they looked really good in that game all things considered it wasn't you know too close of a nail biter they were relatively in control of that game when it all comes down to what it says you know for the end for them I think that was the biggest one for nationally now if you look ahead this could be bigger nationally for Rut for that Rutgers win if they continue this they got two you know, they got three ranked teams back to back to back in Wisconsin. They're on the road at Wisconsin. They catch Illinois at home and then they're on the road at Purdue. I don't expect them <laughs> I don't expect them to win much of those games, but if you draw one of those if you can get one of those wins, especially one of the ones on the road, again, I don't see that as happening. I don't see them winning in Madison. I don't see them winning in West Lafayette at Purdue. Maybe you can catch Illinois and you can strengthen your chance. If you go two and three right there, though, in your Rutgers, you're firmly in the mix. <laughs> and going back to yeah. what you were saying about Oklahoma, as of Tuesday in Joe Lenardi's bracketology, Oklahoma was 13-10, and 10, and they were one of the last four buys. They were on the mm -hmm. bubble, but they were in the field without even having to play in the first four. They just added their fourth top 25 win of the season. This is a team that has a double digit victory over Arkansas, who's going to start surging here at the end. And that win's going to look a lot better. They've got a win over Florida. That Florida win looks pretty good with the way that they're winning games right now. I mean, they're 16 and 8. You you say that, but the record looks nice. It's a good win. It's a quad one win, I would imagine. Haven't checked up on that, but it helps their case. And now they're at 14 and 10. They've beaten Iowa State. And I know Iowa State's gone downhill on the Big 12, but that was they were top 11 at that time. And I think you've got to look at it as a snapshot of the moment and every case is different if a team starts out ranked number five in the country and bombs out ends up being one of the worst teams in college basketball like some of the blue bloods last year then those wins don't mean a whole lot at the end of the year but Iowa State is still a good win for this Oklahoma team last night was a great win for this Oklahoma team they are I think squarely in the field right now and that's why I thought last night's result was probably the most significant out of the, all the others 
where Levi's framing Rutgers, their tough schedule. That's going to be tough for them to find their way into the field. There's just some not-so-sexy records from teams like in Oklahoma that could still a bid from an SEC team, going to your point of what you've said and what we talked about at the end of the first hour of where there could not be as many SEC teams as people projected. And, yeah, to all of your guys' points, the bubble itself got bigger and is getting closer to just you know bursting and seeing who in the world is going to actually make it in those final slots of the NCAA tournament. And the game, when I was talking about the Rutgers-Ohio State game, uh, Levi, you made good points about Rutgers and how they, you know, this win doesn't just solidify them. They've got to keep it going. Same thing with Oklahoma. A win last night doesn't get you into the tournament. You've got to continue that winning. But the Rutgers-Ohio State game, I think it's bad for Ohio State because if you look at their record, they're 14-6, and six, okay, and they have, they have two ranked wins. Oh, excuse me, three ranked wins. Back in November, two games back in November against Seton Hall and Duke, who was the number one team in the country back then. And then they only have one ranked win in conference play. It was the first game of conference play, December 11th, against Wisconsin. After that, they've lost all the other ranked games they played. So what does it mean for Ohio State then? I think they're going to struggle to get into the NCAA tournament. Because, here's my point, they have some not-so-good teams in the Big Ten to still play. But their game at Illinois, I would expect them to lose that game. And the game at home against Michigan State, I'm going to pick the Spartans as of right now to win that basketball game. So Ohio State's in the same boat as some of these other teams, like Alabama. You've got to beat the bad teams on your schedule and then pick up a win against the good ones. I don't think they're going to struggle to make the dance at 14-6 and six right now. Considering they're listed as a five seed in bracketology, I think they're easily in at this point and big 10 teams are going to get respect now if things go atrocious for them down the stretch they could get thrust onto the bubble but there's too much of a brand there there's too many eyeballs on ohio state i don't think that they fail to make the ncaa tournament when it's all said and done but i do get what you're pointing out it definitely hurts them as far as potential seed line yeah they could move down from five to a seven or something like that if things don't improve for them down the stretch but i don't think that they struggle to make the tournament last headline here we're going to go to the nba we don't talk the NBA a whole lot, but some big news did happen today, and we all like the NBA in this studio. James Harden has been traded to the Philadelphia 76ers in a deal that sees Ben Simmons, Seth Curry. Who was the other player? There was one other player. Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and... Was it Dinwiddie? No, Dim- no he was with Dinwiddie. another deal, but those are the big ones. I mean... Ben Simmons is now a net, and James Harden is now a sixer. There you have it. Yeah, and this, it was Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. Ah, yes. Uh-huh. I, knew, I knew it was a name that I knew. Ah, Andre yes. Drummond. But this has been this has been trying to go down for weeks now. Harden has wanted out of Brooklyn for weeks because Brooklyn has just been a, a disaster since the big three, quote unquote, showed up with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Those three joined and made a super team in Brooklyn to make a run. You know how many games they played together, all three of them on the floor at the same time. 16 they played 16 total games together the three of them Harden wanted out he didn't want to deal with the Kyrie Irving controversy stuff he wanted out of Brooklyn and now he's going to Philadelphia to team up with Joel Embiid man one in nine in their last 10 games they're on a nine game losing streaker in the Nets I was like since when do they fall all the way to the eighth seed Kevin Durant's overrated I've been telling you that for years look to be to be real there was the superstar super team era that lasted for what like four seasons maybe not even and now there's a lot of parody in the nba and there's a lot of you know two superstar 
teams, you know, where guys teamed up still. And but that's been going on in the NBA for since its inception, right? Uh, go figure. Br- groundbreaking news, like you put it earlier, Levi. It's better to have multiple great players on your basketball team. But what happened in Brooklyn? And I think we all could know this. The NBA, look, it's a reality TV show. Let's just be real. The NBA, people love to keep up with the NBA, not just for the basketball, but for the storylines and the drama, all right? There is so much drama in the NBA every single year, every single week. The Lakers are ganging up on Russell Westbrook. Oh, my goodness, LeBron and AD didn't even look at Russell when he came over there to confront him. What does that mean? He was over there trying to comfort him for a loss. They didn't look at him. What does that mean? I mean, you get what I'm trying to say? It's an NBA reality TV show. That is what it is, 100%. And you put the three, you put three of the most volatile personalities on the basketball floor, three of the most ball-dominant human beings on the same team, and you're telling me that this wasn't going to end up like the days of our lives? He did what? He's possessed? That is what it feels like it happened with the Brooklyn Nets. And now the 29 and 25 and James Harden's a Philadelphia 76er and he goes to another volatile situation. Let's take a quick break here. You're listening to On the Line. Twenty-five minutes into hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins. And Levi Fitzwater with you talking all the latest headlines in sports. Sorry, guys, I got emotional about the NBA. Got a little heated, but I make all valid points. Is that why we don't ever talk about the NBA <laughs> on this show? No, I love the NBA, man. You know, I, my my career, sometimes I link all this back to what I do on video games. And my, my career on this year's 2K, I unfortunately am with the Sacramento Kings. It's not that fun. But, Yikes. You know, I don't blame the Kings for trading Tyrese Halliburton. He's not that great of a teammate on 2K. I'm just glad they <laughs> traded uh, Marcus. I'm, I'm glad they got Marvin Bagley out of there. I love Marvin, bro. Oh, Marvin is my best teammate. Uh, he's the best guy, but that's why I'm glad he's out of there. <laughs> They, they sent him from one... Uh, Pick des- and roll with Marvin, man. One desolate wasteland to the other in Detroit for the Pistons. Poor Rip. guy. Poor guy. Yeah. You feel bad for him. But- I am kind of curious that the Kings blew it up, though. They had a pretty good stint there a couple years, Darren Fox and all that. I'm what just kind of shocked they blew it up. Well, they had I mean, some good young players. Yeah, but it's Marvin not like Bagley, they've done Tyrese Halliburton. Buddy Hield- Shockingly, Buddy Hield is 28. He's not that young anymore. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. I yeah. remember watching him ball out at Oklahoma, man. Not not like that was a long time ago, but still, like that's crazy. Well, he was a four-year player in college yeah. basketball. Yeah, he, he came was. out of the game at like 22 or 23 years old. That's so wild. It really has been that long. But the Kings being 21 and 36, it makes sense. The Western Conference got beefier this year. It did get tougher. The team that I'm shocked that's somewhat competitive and will be in the play-in tournament at the end is the Clippers. And then, of course, the big shocker and everything is that the Lakers are four games below 500 and – Russell Westbrook seems to be in LeBron's negative favor. Yeah, and that's not a good place to be because um, oh, let GM he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna handle business over there in LA. So. I'm surprised he hasn't been traded yet. I was kind of expecting that, but I mean, I, I get it because I'm sure nobody wants Westbrook because he's you know just bad at basketball at this point in his career. So I don't know. I love the little meme where it's like Russ, or it's like woo triple double. He's like Russ, we're down by. 13. It's like, yeah, triple double dough. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers nor the Knicks. Neither one of them made a trade at the deadline. Let's play a game, shall we? Let's do with it. With Russell man. Westbrook statistics this year. Oh, boy. I'm going to have you guys guess. Plus or minus 19 points per game for Russell Westbrook. Minus. Over or under? Oh, under. Yeah, I mean, I'll take under. 
He's at 18.3 points per game. Field goal percentage. Where do you guys think it's at? Let's under, get a guess. under whatever you say. You could put it at three, and I'll say under. <laughs> <laughs> he's at, he's, shockingly, he is at 43.5%. Now, that's not great in the NBA, especially for his style. And that would be a lot higher, I think, if he would drive more. He takes a lot of dumb shots. Contested that he used to ma- He used to make those, though. What happened? He's broken. Russell Westbrook is the only guy on the planet that doesn't realize he's the worst shooter in the NBA. Like everybody know or in terms of three-point shooting, everybody's like it's at 29.8% from 3. Everybody knows he's the worst three-point shooter in the NBA except for himself. If I told you though that this player was averaging 18-7 seven, and 7 with a steal as well per game and he was shooting 44% from the field, you would think that player's decent though, right? Yeah. Like what? he's still a decent player, but the problem is he wants to be the focal point and he can't be that. What's uh what's his turnovers? Cuz I know he's been struggling with turnovers this year too. Yeah, what's his assist to turnover ratio? Uh, that that's that's got to be a bad one. There it is. Whoop, there it Hold is. Hold on, not he, there yet. But he also is like just knowing basketball. 4.1 turnovers per game. Not great. How many assists? Oh, that's his career. It's 4.1 this year, though, too. 7.6 assists per game. So he's not quite to the 2-1 two, the ratio that I say a point guard has to have to be a successful point guard. And the, you said he needs he wants to be the center point. That can't be the fact for a point guard in the NBA for a team to win. You can't have it. Especially on a LeBron James team that also happens to have Anthony Davis. Give the ball away, my man. Give the ball away. When we come back, it's playing the lines with Levi Fitzwater. We're going to talk Super Bowl on the other side of this break. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Levi Fitzwater with us. Levi, it's time. Y'all got some cool tunes going into the segments. I was over here just vibing. I forgot I was on the radio for a second. <laughs> Playing no. the lines with Levi Fitzwater. What do you got? Uh, just kidding. So I, I tried to at least get something for tonight, you know, ahead of the big game this weekend. I looked at the basketball games tonight in NCAA. Putrid. I hate every line. <laughs> All those lines look awful. Ignore it. Focus on the Super Bowl. The big, or just focus on it. The best bets that are coming at you again. Just for entertainment purposes only. But you look at it. I've been sweating this one all week. Honestly, since last year, I've been sweating this one. I, I can't figure it out. Like the coin toss. What like what are the odds for heads or tails? Like 50, I can't 50. I, like what is a 50-50 shot? Like what are the odds on 50-50? I have no idea. I don't know how you even pick this. Because I mean you one hand, tails never fails, but on the other hand, heads always shreds. So how do you divide this up? <laughs> I have no idea. I I've lost sleep. I'm my anxiety's through the roof. My hair's falling out. I'm trying to figure out what to do with this one. I have no idea, but I, you know what? I'm just gonna go with it. Tails never fails. I've never. It's 29 ever, to 26 tails all time. I've never heard in my life that heads always shreds. Is that what you just said? Heads always shreds. Tails never fails. Well, I've heard tails never fails. That's always <laughs> the go-to. But my lord, okay. you, got, you have to justify it sometimes. So what'd you pick, tails, huh? Uh, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm picking tails. Uh, I usually just go with tails every year because it's my favorite. Yep. But you know, tails has a lot of public public love because of tails never fails. So I could see fading the public on this one. You know, the NFL. I'm going heads. I'm taking the NFL loves, shreds. Yep. They love rigging things up. They probably rigged it up for it. It's probably a double sided coin for all I know. Actually, whatever the Rams choose, 
that's what I would go with because you know Roger Goodell <laughs> is going to do everything he can to make them win at all points. In so time. you're saying the Rams win the coin toss? The Rams will win everything conceivably possible as long as Roger Goodell's little grubby fingers are you know mixing up into the Super Bowl. Says the Saints fan. He loves their, they want to make the Rams a thing so bad because they're in L.A. Did you see their little pep rally? All four people that showed up to cheer for the Rams. Okay, whatever. Get them out of here. I'm, I'm tired of the Rams. So you're rooting for the Bengals. Rooting for the Bengals, but I do think the Rams actually win this. Um, it, to go on a more serious uh, bet, Rams minus four. You have nobody on that game. It seems like everybody's on the Bengals at, at catching the four points, which I understand. The Bengals, Joe Burrow, they've become the media darlings. They're the... For the most part, outside of probably Cleveland Brown, Ravens, and Steelers fans, they're probably to be fair though. The Bengals are no one's biggest rival in the AFC North. The Steelers hate the Browns. The Browns hate the Steelers, and the Ravens hate the Browns or the Steelers more. They don't hate the Bengals more. I don't think they're like the Panthers in the NFC South. Like nobody really, nobody really hates. Nobody's bothered with them. They're just they're existing over there, doing their own thing. And, I mean, Joe Burrow is a guy that it seems that everybody just kind of likes. They like the swagger. They like his play. So a lot of people are going to be on the Bengals in this game, which makes me think I would lean towards the Rams to begin with. But I think the biggest difference in this game is going to be the line play. I mean, you look at that offensive line for the Bengals and the defensive line for the Los Angeles Rams, that's just a miss. That is just a miserable mismatch for Cincinnati. Can they overcome it? There's a chance they could, but I think that will be a little bit too much for them. Yeah, I'm. I like. I like the Bengals plus four here, and it may have be. Is it up to four and a half now, or is it still at four? I'm still. I'm still seeing it at four. I okay. wouldn't be surprised if. I wouldn't be surprised if it shifted a little bit. Okay. Well, I like the Bengals plus four, and I'm. I'm gonna go with America here. You know, for fun purposes, of course. But I just like the Bengals, man. They're America's team outside of the AFC North. They're America's and outside of California, I guess, or really outside of LA, probably. They're America's team. How can you not cheer for Joe Shiesty? Joe Burr and the Bengals I mean I've got a lot of Bengals fans from back in Ohio man I'm cheering for the Bengals riding with them they've been terrible all 22 years of my lifetime and just because they make a playoff game does not mean they're good and that's at my friend John if he's listening but they're not they've never been good but now they are I'm gonna ride with the Bengals um if you want a safe bet I would say Bengals plus four but if you want to have some fun you know Bengals money line just to see if they win the thing man how much do y'all think them being a team of destiny plays into this? It's it's weird. I, I mean, I've look, I've been sitting here fading the Bengals since the playoffs started. I, I've picked against every them week. every single week because it it just felt At like what a point. Vic- do you ha- start believing? You have to eventually. It comes around. I just still think the Rams are just a better team. The safe bet for me is Rams money line. If you want to take that, it's probably around like minus like one sixty. If I was to take a shot, just looking at the number in my head, maybe even minus two hundred. I would take the Rams' money line if I was just a safer bet, but I like them in this game. Don't get me wrong. Cheering for the Bengals. I just think the Rams cover that four. Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Terry on the line. How you doing today, man? Great, guys. How y'all doing? We're doing well. What you got? Hey, Levi, you and Jacob. Now, I'll be sure and don't interrupt Noah in the middle of his ifing. <laughs> if, if, uh, if Bo Nix hadn't got hurt, you could hit uh... Noah. No, are you an Alabama fan? No, definitely not. <laughs> okay, because I wonder, because I've never met an Alabama fan. I said, if me to death, the, the Monday after a loss. I've, to be fair, Auburn fans penalty. do that too, though. Everybody does that. Everybody oh, plays the hypothetical but, game. I agree. I just have a little fun with you, but yeah. I'm just, 
But just, just, but, but you can go all through life. I'm 55 years old. You can if yourself to death. I believe hey, no. you are 100 percent correct. I was thinking that earlier. I said, man, all the hypotheticals that you can play with Auburn football. Okay, Bo, yeah, I agree with you. Bo needs to get better. But did did, did um, TJ Finley get any better? He still stunk. There may not be any improving on that if we're just. No, I don't think they can improve it. I don't <laughs> think I don't care how good a coach you are. Right, I, you're right, and and that that's what I was mentioning earlier. It makes our jobs a little bit more interesting because we can play all the different hypotheticals when it comes to Auburn football because there's so many different directions to take. You you, you make a great point, Terry. And remember something, and, and you know Mike Bobo caught a lot of heat, but Brian Harson was the head coach when they called the pass play on fourth down, didn't give the ball to the, one of the better running backs in the country on, against South Carolina on fourth down. And they should have. And no, that's exactly what I was pointing out have. earlier. That was what I was pointing out earlier with. Brian Hartson in this scenario is that I think there are a couple things he did well this year but objectively I can also say there are a lot of things that I don't think he has done very well in his first yeah, year and so if somebody does think that they have enough to blow this thing up then you know that's their opinion and I'm not too mad at it hey, if you want to get into the positives and negatives of Brian Hartson's only year at Auburn boy you're going to lose if you choose the positive side there's going to be way more negatives 20 players leaving the team, losing both coordinators, firing the coach in the, in the first of the season. Uh, it's going to be, it's gonna be low overloaded with negative, I trust So me. this is where I also asked the question, though, and I agree with you on that. There are more negatives than positives right now. How much of it's his fault? Mm, I, I should definitely say, I definitely say that the, the fourth down call is South Carolina is fault. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, decision, in-game decision-making is, is a him problem, and I think we saw yeah. a decent amount of poor decisions in different games throughout the year how do you blow a 40 point lead to mississippi state i just mean you know the players leaving we i don't think we know anything about whether or not that that's a him problem or that's a player problem like like how like how much of all this is true what is true what's not there's no way to know but that's why i asked that question is i think so many people are entrenched on both sides and they don't really know anything no i I agree i agree you know nothing at this point i mean but 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 Noah, you and Jacob both know how I felt about Bo Nix. Yeah, yeah. I was not a Bo Nix fan. And it, it really bothered me when I heard people say, well, Brian Harson doesn't like a, a, a quarterback who can scramble. Well, I got news for you, Brian Harson. If you'd have a quarterback who scramble, you would have lost that LSU game. That is true. So that, that, that's, that's really got on my nerves. And it get up, gets on my nerves when people compare Nick Saban's era or Bruce Pearl's era to Brian Harson's first year. It's ridiculous because both those guys had proven they could win in this conference at other places already. That's a that's a great point. That that's one that's a great not point. mentioned hardly ever. Yeah, it's not, and a lot of people have compared the Brian Harson first year to the Bruce Pearl first year or a Nick Saban first year, and it's easy to make that comparison. But that's a great point, Terry. That you know they had already proven that they could win at other places, and not that Brian Harson wasn't winning at Boise, but not maybe to the level that Auburn fans wanted him to do at Auburn. Well, winning at Boise is a lot different than winning at LSU or winning at basketball at Tennessee. Absolutely, you are one hundred percent right, man. Totally different. Guys, y'all take care. Appreciate the call, Terry. That was Terry here on the line calling back in about some Auburn football here on the show. You can see what I'm trying to do there, though, when I ask folks questions like that, is that folks can get so entrenched on one side. This isn't me saying anything about Terry or anything like that. I'm just talking in generalities right now. I'm just saying, you know, people are so entrenched. There's a large faction, I feel like, that's like, shaking their fist right now at powers you know you know that they don't even know and they're they're i stand with brian harson all this stuff it's like dude you don't you don't even know though what if you end up being wrong like what if what if there's some 
what if stuff comes out right like what if what if this is the better what if this is the best direction for the program right like do you know for a fact that this is the right direction for the program to be headed uh and and i've defended brian harson a lot this year i've also criticized him sometimes and i've defended brian harson a lot and then we get to this situation right now and it's like look if, if there are people that think that this could be better without him there could be some credence to that you don't know and that's been my thing too I've, I've had a pretty hard stance on this but i've also admitted to well if they find if there are reasons that auburn comes out with and that whatever it may be i will be the first one to tell you right here on the air that i was wrong and that's okay but what we know right now you know that that's just kind of my stance on it but and that's on a very limited amount of information which is a dangerous thing to do i will admit so there's just a lot of different ways this can go there's a lot of different takes that you can have as well i just i can't get the image of noah just sitting here shaking his fist <laughs> at the powers to be but yeah i mean you man with the money it's your fault you can you can you know we'll never be great <laughs> yeah i I sit here and I just the best thing to, the best way I think of is to just wait it out. Just see, you know, you can have an opinion on it, but you don't have to just. It's not go, the end of the world. You don't have to go you full Calvary. Go you don't in. have to go full Calvary. You can just be like, you know what? I don't really know what's going on. Yeah, it's okay to not know right now. A decision needs to be made. Oh, 100 percent. I agree with that. That, that is like that's now. Facts. You know, like you can't just let this continue to go because we're going to get to a point where the new head coach at this point is not even going to be here for spring ball. Well, I think we can say this too, and based on what we do know about this situation right now, what is what has been reported, what is public information that's where i've gone to my stance of and steeler mike talked about this at the beginning of the show and i'm glad that he brought it up because that that's what got me thinking in this direction i think he is right i think you have reached a point of irreversible damage to where it's very difficult to succeed moving forward whether you like the guy or not whether you know any of this stuff comes out or not this is definitely this is a chess match that i don't know if anybody wins I, I, I think Auburn did it truth. to themselves. That's the problem. I think Auburn did it to themselves. And that, yeah, you can shake your <laughs> fist. <laughs> and yeah, but if they and again, if they have merit, have reason for it, then fine. That's fine. I get it. That's okay. But if they don't, then I mean, you just ran somebody off. I don't know, man. There's there's so many. You just don't scenarios. know enough just information know. To, to talk like that, though. Levi, right. let's go back to playing the lines with Levi Fitzwater. We were talking Super Bowl stuff. You guys were mentioning your Rams, your Bengals. I'm Rams. It has to do with the line play. I hope you know that, that this ends up being a really good football game. I don't want this to end up being like 10-3 to 3 a couple of years ago with the Patriots-Rams, but what I do ha- think the Rams end up winning this one. What other prop, do you have any other props? Yeah, I've actually got it. I've got about three more. Give us the Gatorade, the, the Gatorade. The Gatorade bath. Right. So the Gatorade's tough. Obviously, the two favorites are orange and blue. Let's be honest. That's that's why. Two team colors. Don't fall in love with team colors. That rarely happens. I think it's only happened three times since 2000. Once with the Steelers. Who drinks blue whites with Gatorade? Actually, blue has hit two out of the past three times. So I think blue is actually sneaky good. But if you're asking me, I really want to go wild and I want to say yellow. Because I just feel Mm. like yellow hasn't had its time in the shine in a while. So like I, it just How feels do they like go out about there. deciding what color the team Gatorade is? It's got to be a player. They call Vegas right? or Goodell says. Or hey, do we they need have this. different buckets that have different Gatorades? That in may it. be the case as well. And they just happen to randomly choose one of those buckets. Yeah. And then they dump that on them, right? Yeah. They should do mayonnaise. What are the odds of purple? I like purple. 
don't don't say that around this man. He wants to eliminate mayonnaise bowls. Mayonnaise bowl like is the that. best bowl. I want the I want the Duke's Mayo, you know, big game. That's what I want. I want that to be the thing. You get, do you have one other? Do you got another prop yeah, before we yeah, get I've out of here? One more before we get out of here. The national anthem over under. Look, I'm not gonna lie. I had to look up who this person was that was singing the national yeah, anthem. Who is it? Uh, Mickey Guyton. Had, oh, I know who she is. Country no, singer. Yeah, I had no idea who she was. You can see how much uh, how often I really listen to music. It's pretty much I'm. The things that we do on this radio, that's kind of what I digest on a daily basis. Don't know anything about her, but I'm going to take the over in hopes because National Anthem is my favorite song of all time. Love Star Spangled Belt Banner. Belt it out. Oh, say. <laughs> no, not you. I mean her. Belt it out. <laughs> I want her to belt it out. That's, I want it. String it out. Let's go. It, it's my top. It's my favorite song of all time. You know, second being the iPhone ringtone. I think tone. she's going to do a very good job. Oh, I think so I think too. she's going to be phenomenal. I, I trust. I'm, I trust your. I trust your opinion. Like I said, I don't know her. I trust your opinion on that. But we're going to hope. Ninety-eight seconds is honestly very low for like the past few like Super Bowls. Like I've seen it in like the one fifties range, like a minute fifty second range. <laughs> so ninety-eight seconds feels super short. And I hope she does not speed run through it. And I hope she just takes her time, plays it good because. It gives me it gives me the chills every time just watching the Super Bowl and hearing the national anthem and then you know the coin toss is coming up and I'm either going to be living you know homeless or I'm going to be in a mansion afterwards. <laughs> oh, I love it. So do you just turn the game off after the coin flip and then turn it back on for the Gatorade bath? Is every that- single year since 2009, I've done that. Or the 2009 2010 Super Bowl, I've turned it off after the coin flip. Yes. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to head to the phone lines one last time. Keith will be on the line with us when we come back. Stay put, my man. We will be back in just a moment. Welcome back to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Let's head to the phone lines one last time before we get out of here. Keith on the line. Keith, welcome in. Hey, yeah, I haven't heard uh, much of the show, but uh, I do think that from the very beginning that, that uh, we've done too much damage and with his relationship, I'm afraid that it might turn into a Dan Mullen type deal where if he did stay where uh, he just quit coach, coaching and makes, makes you firing. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I never have understood why people criticize uh, him from running other coaches off when they're going to run him off <laughs> one year. You know, I mean, he was just trying to right the ship and I guess that's what we're doing. But, uh, you know, it seems like it's the same deal. Yeah, and that's kind of where I've gone several times in the show is like how much culpability does Brian Harson have in this situation? How much culpability do the board have and the boosters have in this situation? Like, and none of us know actually, but the reality is I don't even think any of that matters because the damage has been done regardless who did it. The damage still happened, and I don't know how you move forward under these circumstances and, and are still successful. I think you got to hit reset. You, you kind of have already. Let's just be honest. Yeah, I think there's a point of no return. I mean, I don't see how they can overcome this. I mean, let's see. He just is a lot of stuff that we don't even realize, and uh, and everything's been blown out of proportion. And, um, you know, as far as uh, that guy down there uh, that did the interview with Malzahn, you know, he said that uh, he interpreted it as uh, he he wanted to just take the high road, but his interpretation was he was just glad to be out of this insane asylum. And you know, they can make jokes like that from afar all they want to, but uh, people just don't really know what's going on until I don't even know if they ever will know it all. But uh, that's right. You know, but it, it does look bad. But what can you do? 
nothing and that's why i'm not getting too bent out of shape about it that's why you know I, I, and i and that's been my message to folks and fans even before all this when like auburn lost five games in a row i was like guys doesn't rule and dictate your lives be a fan but uh don't be crazy about it keith we appreciate the call my man yes sir see and exactly i mean at the end of the day we know what we know and that's all we can that's all we can run with is what we know and until a decision is made i mean like you said i mean we can't we can't get all bent out of shape about it. We're allowed to have an opinion. Everybody is, you know, whether it's you or me or if it's anybody listening. I mean, you can have your opinion on what Auburn should do with the information you have, what Auburn should do when more information comes out. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, the one thing that I am hard on is a decision needs to be made at ASAP. Like right now, it's got, got to be made because the longer Auburn waits – no matter what the decision Spring is. Spring practice is like a month away. Exactly. No matter what the decision is, the longer they wait to make it, it's going to get worse. The eight-day game's like the second weekend of April. And like, if, and you, if you're you don't to, have time. Yeah, and if you're having to bring in a brand new coach, I mean, that's just, you're asking for disaster for the fall. And if you don't bring in a you're new coach. You're asking for disaster for the spring. For How the are you spring. Gonna, spring is valuable for development, you know? And yep. are you going to have enough time to establish your culture and establish your philosophy, establish your schemes and systems and and how you want this roster to play out what about the transfer portal because you still got to go out and get those guys is Auburn's team ready for next season on the offensive side of the football that's the thing that everybody was talking about for months and now we're not talking about that at all but that's still a problem you still need receivers you still need offensive linemen you still maybe need a quarterback right like it's gonna still need all these things none of that has changed none of that's changed I agree. I mean, there's... And you have no clarity even on your own coaching situation. So it's still ever as... You don't even know who your OC is. It is still ever a present problem. And the long... Again, and that's the last thing I'll say on this, is the longer Auburn waits to make their final decision, the worse it's going to be across the whole board. That is true. That is certainly true. Because of, how, because of all of the things that it affects and the things that we just talked about, the longer Auburn waits, the worse it's going to be in the long run. Let's get into final take. final take i've got a couple for final takes maybe Uh it should be final takes do you have something ready i'm gonna let you go since you got a couple i'll go but you go ahead we've talked a lot about auburn football so i'll start with auburn football to end the show i wonder if irreversible damage has been done and that's what we were just discussing for a few moments that's kind of what keith was getting to will auburn football be able to continue on with Brian Harson as its head coach after everything that's happened and I don't think they can I think you've crossed over a threshold now where you're looking at having to find someone new probably by next week right and I, and I don't know if that's true if, if that's going to happen or not but it definitely just how do you recover how do you recover yeah, and my, my final take is going to go off of that and what I was just saying a moment ago. A decision's got to be made right now. My final take is, Auburn, figure it out. I know there's a process, and I know there's a lot to go over and to figure out, but it's got to be done right now because the every single day that you wait to make a decision on this, the more the, the worse it's going to be in the long run for spring, summer, and fall, and for recruiting. Auburn, get it done no matter what it is. I'll go NBA for one more because we all heard how fired up I got earlier about it. I just think there are some players that don't care about winning or are too egotistical 
that they get in the way of their own winning. And James Harden may be that kind of player. How does a team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden not win the Eastern Conference? We're not talking about the Western Conference. We're talking about the Eastern Conference. And they only played 16 games. That's how. And that is because of volatile personalities. I I agree. I think a lot of the players, they want their stats and they want their money. And that's all there is to it. We'll see you guys tomorrow.